and welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation lactation consultant. Oh my God. <laughs> I like how this, this episode is, is about lacta- lactation and you can't say lactation. I was just thinking that too. <sighs> well, you all know what I mean. Yeah. You, know what you know by now. You probably know. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Diane, and I'm Abby, and I'm the Badass Breastfeeder, and today's episode is brought to you by Sarah's Chill. Never worry about safely storing your breast milk or formula again. If you've ever had to pump at work late at night or while you're away from your baby, you know how hard it is to juggle all the plastic and chunky coolers. Today's episode is also brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Davin and Adley. Nursing and pumping bras, Davin and Adley designs functional bralettes. That fit your lifestyle and make you feel beautiful postpartum. Um, we will hear more from our sponsors later, but these sponsors make this podcast possible. If you need anything, head over to the sponsor page at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and see if you can give them any of your business. And while you're there, scroll down and enter your email address and we'll send episodes straight to your inbox every week. And don't leave without checking out the shop page and seeing all of our awesome merch, which you can gift to each other this holiday season. Um, we are also having a uh, hosting an ongoing giveaway for people who leave reviews on iTunes or any other podcast apps where you're able to post reviews. Every I, single person. I did find out. I hate, I don't mean to like interrupt you, okay. but I did find out like you cannot leave my, um, you can't leave reviews on Spotify. Yeah, that's yeah. So that's that's true. Yeah, right. Okay, so everyone who does leave a review somewhere where you can leave a review, send us a screenshot of your review, and we will send you badass breastfeeding podcast stickers and a pack of thank you for nursing in public empowerment cards. So just email that to badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. Your screenshot of your review that you left anywhere where you can leave a review. And uh, we'll send you the uh, goodie bag. And we know that there is uh, not, you're not able to leave a review everywhere. So if you check out the Badass Breastfeeder Instagram, I'm going to be posting lots of giveaways there too of the same stuff. So you can check that out over there and and, uh, enter those giveaways. Um, And I also would like to say that we are almost all the way through November and we haven't recognized that it is Native American Heritage Month. And I would like to direct everyone to our um, episode that we did with Jaisha Lyons Echo Hawk. She is the uh, creator of uh, the... When we when we did the episode, it was Native Breastfeeding Week, and it has now um, evolved into Indigenous Milk Medicine Week. Um, but it is the same week in August, um, which is Breastfeeding Awareness Month. And if you check out that episode, I think we're going to put it in the show notes. I hear Diane clicking her pen, and I feel like that's what she's doing. That's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> about. So I remembered to link it. Yes, that was a great episode too. It really was. It was really, really very educational. And I know there was some, we're actually, there was a giveaway last week where we were talking, uh, where, I was, where I was asking for episode ideas and so a couple of people mentioned um, breastfeeding with indigenous people or Native Americans and... Um, I was like, oh my God, we have that episode and we should like, we need to like circulate it more because 
you know, I'm not an expert. I can't talk to you about um, indigenous breastfeeding, but Jaysha Lyons Echo Hawk can. And we did a whole long episode on that, and it was really great. So check that out. And Diane has our review of the week. And it is, well, it is a review of the week, but it's also informational because it came to us regarding when we did the Gassy Babies episode. So a few weeks ago, we did an episode on Gassy Babies. And uh, if you remember, if you listen to it, um, I mentioned that, you know, some people will give gas drops prior to feeding the baby. Um, and somebody messaged in and said, for what it's worth, we did them in the bottle with the feed for a bit and it did help. So d- doing it like with the feeding instead of like after the feeding. We left the NICU fortifying with NeoSure, which turned into belly hell and does for a lot of people, apparently. We stopped fortifying, added probiotics and Mylocon for a bit and helped end miserable nights. Eventually stopped Mylocon and stopped iron for a bit to just let the milk do its thing and the peds approved of this and had a happy baby. When we started solids, we added multi- and iron back and the baby's belly is still happy. Oh, multi and baby's belly is still happy. Sometimes I wonder if they push too much too fast on top of a baby that's just learning to be a baby. And I totally agree with that. Um, sometimes they do push a lot on a baby that's little system is really just trying to figure things out. Um, so I was really grateful for that information because I thought it was really interesting to know that somebody did just put it in a bottle um, and found that to be very helpful. So if you are using Mylocon and or some kind of gas drops and you're not sure, like, do I give it after? Do I give it before? When do I give it? If you're giving bottles, you can put it right in the bottle because that's what they did. And they said they found it to be very helpful. And also pairing that with a probiotic, they found to be very helpful, too. So. So there you go. And I was very thankful for her with this um, and she was very happy to help. So I just wanted to pass that info along. So is Mylocon something you can get over the counter? Yeah, you can just buy it wherever. Okay. Yeah. I mean, aren't there, there's like no directions on how to use it? I don't think so. I mean, that's I think insane. they're just like, you know. Like doctors recommend it. this stuff, like just get it. Yeah. And it's like, can, can you give me some information about what to do here? <laughs> yeah, it's not. not very. Everyone's just like flying. We're all flying by the seat of our pants. We you are. Know? Yeah. It's just a baby yeah. that relies on us for everything. But, you know, whatever. Figure it out. Yeah. It's just, yeah, because people will contact me and be like, what do I do with these probiotics? How do I give them? How do I do this? And it's like, nobody yeah. wants to ask their doctor because they're intimidated by their doctor. So right. they ask other people. I remember getting, too, just, you know. Yeah. When I got eardrops, I know we've talked about our ear problems here. When I got <laughs> the eardrops from my, from my ear doctor, he was like, I was like, so how do I, like, how much do I, or I can't remember. I asked him some question. He was like, you know, just strip it in your ear. It's fine. It's not a big deal. It's like, don't make it more complicated. I'm like, don't I need to know? Are you going to like tell me how much, how often? Like, like you're a freaking doctor giving me this stuff. Can I have some guidance? Right. No. It's so stupid. Yeah. And then they're like, I am the end all be all of breastfeeding information. Okay. Oh, anyway, anyway, you should go see an IBCLC or some other breastfeeding person besides your doctor anyway. Yeah. And someday 
a lot of you people here listening are going to be one of those professionals. Diane's going to tell you how. So yeah, so (laughs) lately, we have had a lot of people asking about how to become an IBCLC. And years ago, years ago, well, it probably was a couple years ago, we did an episode on like becoming like a breastfeeding advocate. We kind of lumped all of those things together, like a breastfeeding advocate, like what Abby, you know, what Abby does, um, or like a CLC, which is or like a lactation counselor or lactation, you know, breastfeeding specialist, something like that. A lot of um, different places have designations now that they're like, oh, you can, you know, go help these breastfeeding parents after you have, you know, this much education or, you know, becoming an actual IBCLC off of that. So um, we've had a lot of people lately ask, like, how do I become one? Because it can be very confusing when you start to look into it, trying to figure out how to go this route. If it's the route that you want to go to. Yeah. I do think it's important to mention those other things too, because IBCLC is not the only way to support parents through their breastfeeding journeys. You know, like you can, there are so many ways that you can be a breastfeeding professional and, you know, talking about the length of time and amount of things that you need to do to become an IBCLC. Sometimes those other things become more attractive. Yeah. And they are, they are important. You know, all of the things are important for sure. Um, And there's many, many things that you can do. And if you're one of those people who is like, you know, I think I just want to kind of like get my feet wet in it and see how much I like it, then that's great. Um, If you're somebody who's like, I want to become an IBCLC, that's my goal, then that's great too. There is stuff that you need to do. And I had somebody contact me because people contact me and be like, you know, can I do my clinical hours with you? Can I do this, that? We'll talk about all that stuff too. But she called, she was, I mean, I hope she's not listening, but she probably isn't. Um, But she called me several times and I was with patients. So it was like, like nobody had ever done. It was like a crazy boyfriend, like <laughs> called me. Like, I think it was like 14 times. Or oh my God. Like, that. like left one voicemail, but then just kept calling back, calling back, calling back. Wait, calling so back. who is this person? This was she, just wanted, somebody? she was like, she was just some random person who was like, um, I don't like my job. And my sister said, why don't you be an IBCLC? So I just thought I would do that. So what do I need to do? It's like, you, uh. it's not. It's not something that you're just like, it's not easy. You know, no, it's not no. like, oh, okay, you just, you know, you just, it's, you want to be yeah. it, then you're it. Like, it's, this is it's, like it's, any other kind of, you know, educational, you know, thing that requires schooling and training. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just like anything else. It's not just like, oh, I see people handing out free breastfeeding information on the internet. And so I could do that too tomorrow. Yeah. No. And once you become a lactation person, you will hate those people who are handing out free information on the internet <laughs> that don't know what they're talking about. And here we are. Here we are. The free- <laughs> no, I mean like the wrong info. Like no, you're, you're going to yeah, like, yeah. once you right. know. The people more- who did not go and get an IBCLC and then just opened a page on Instagram yeah. and hands it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, like the, yeah, there's people that absolutely do that. They're like, oh, yeah, here's, you know, and it's like, no, you're not. No, that's yeah. not correct. So, all right. So, which we talk about first? Just like actual like IBCLC? Yeah, because this is what happens. This is what, this is what I get the most. It's like, I want to become an IBCLC. How do I start? Okay. So, 
if someone were to contact me about that, first of all, it depends on what, what your background is right now. And if your background right now is you're a stay-at-home mom, or you are somebody who's a doula, or you're a nurse, or maybe you are working in law, and you don't like it anymore, and you're like, I'm over it, or you're a teacher, and you're like, this is, I don't want to do this anymore. I my I feel like my passion is really being a lactation consultant. This is what I want to do. So you have to have certain courses under your belt. And the way it works is you have to have like 14 specific, um, they call them sciences, but they're like, um, you know, like child development and psychology, you know, like just stuff like that, that normally people would take if they were in the medical field. Like biology. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Um, you have to have those. And then there's like eight of those and then six of like um, CPR and, you know, like things like that. So they're very, I could even, I'll pull it up while we're doing, um, while we're doing the ads and I can read them out of exactly what they are. But a lot of people have those already. And if you did those in college and it's been 20 years, it doesn't matter. It still counts but you have to have them. Like you, you have to have those courses. So for some people they're like, okay, I don't have those courses and they have to kind of follow up and get those courses, which isn't hard. Like there was some that I didn't have and I had to find a way to get them. And I did, you don't have to enroll back in college and become a freshman. Yeah. Like you don't have to do all that stuff. There's ways to get those courses uh, just by doing online, you know, online education. Yeah. I mean, so, when I was becoming, when I was uh, getting my master's degree, I needed, um, in order to get into the master's program, I needed, and I'm a social worker. Did I already say that? I don't know. I don't I make it clear. <laughs> I mean, I've said it a million times on the podcast, but like right now I'm not, I'm not an IBCLC, but in order to get into grad school for social work, I needed biology and, uh, history. Those were like two things from my, like, you know, undergrad, whatever that was missing. And I had mixtures of undergrad from Holland and, and here, but, um, I just went to the community college down the street. Yeah. I did biology at the community college and then the history class online. Like you don't yeah. like, like I'm just like what you're saying. You don't, you can just go get it wherever, whatever's the easiest thing just to get those credits. Yeah. But if you, if you feel like, oh yeah, I did it, but it was so long ago. I don't know if it still counts. It counts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it was a long time ago. Those yeah. They don't actually count. care if you know it. They just, they just yeah. want, they just need the paper. Exactly. If you're like a nurse or, you know, a speech therapist or a dietitian or somebody like that, you probably already have those courses. A lot of people already have that stuff. Um, and if you do, great. But if you don't, or if you have like the majority of them like you did, and then you have one or two that you need to get, then those things do need to be complete before you apply for the exam. And that's a, isn't that why like there's a lot of nurses that become IBCLCs because they have so many of those like required. Yeah. Classes already, already like working in that, yeah, in that right, field. Yeah. kind of in the field. So then, the other piece of education that you need to have is lactation specific education, and that is ninety hours plus five communication hours. So really, ninety five hours of lactation lactation specific education. Um, there's lots of places that 
will offer this kind of a thing. Um, I right now am the education manager for a program um, with Gold Learning where they do this. They offer, it's um, the Gold Lactation Academy and they offer um, the 95 hours. It's an amazing, I mean, I can honestly, it is an amazing program. But that gives you all the hours that you need to cover that education piece. And it doesn't matter what your background is. You have to have that. Like you can't skirt around that. So, and you can like, you know, piece things together because some people, if they become um, like a lactation counselor, they've already got maybe 40 hours of education. So now Mm -hmm. you've got to get, you know, like 50 from somewhere else or whatever. So you can kind of piecemeal together. But if you're just coming in and you're like, oh, I want to do this. Now, this education this 95 hours, this is only good for five years. So if you get this, or if you say you became a lactation specialist, you know, five years ago, and you did education back then, that might not be, um, that might have expired in the eyes of IBCLC. So you have to probably do it again, because that education stuff only lasts for five years to when you sit for the exam, all of that information. The first education piece doesn't matter, can go back however many years. The lactation specific education, you have to have that within five years in order to apply for the exam. Well, that makes sense. That's the part you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty important to be up to date on that. Should we take a break and then I'll talk about the pathways and all that stuff? Absolutely. We will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Davin and Adley, nursing and pumping bras. Davin and Adley designs functional bralettes that fit your lifestyle and make you feel beautiful postpartum. Davin and Adley are best known for the Amelia Pumping and Nursing Cami. This incredible bra functions as a pumping bra and is comfortable enough to wear all day. Simply lift to insert your flanges and pull down the top layer for compression against your flanges. It's nursing friendly with easy one handed strap sliders. This is a complete game changer. It comes in tons of colors and both a cami and full-length tank version, an absolute must-have. The founder of this brand, Amanda, is a breastfeeding mom of three and a bra designer for over 15 years. She custom designs all her own products while nursing and pumping her own baby. Amanda product tests everything herself and offers style recommendations and complimentary bra sizing consults. Check out her entire collection of combo nursing and pumping bralettes at Davin. D-A-V-I-N and Adley, A-D-L-E-Y dot com and use code Black Friday right now through November 28th and you will save 15% off of your purchase and free shipping on all orders in the U.S. Today's episode is also brought to you by Sarah's Chill. Never worry about safely storing your breast milk or formula again. If you have ever had to pump at work late at night or while you're away from your baby, you know how hard it is to juggle all those plastic and chunky coolers. Sarah's Chill's grab-and-go container makes everything so much easier. With just a handful of ice and a splash of water, you'll have safe storage for over 20 hours in this sleek two-chamber bottle. And did we mention it's designed for for double pumping and it's travel-friendly? And I'm adding this myself. It is good for lots of other things after you're done breastfeeding and pumping. There's no prep, no cords, no battery, no headache. It's just that simple. Head to Saris Chill, that's C-E-R-E-S, chill.com, and use code BADASS15 for 15% off. And you can use your HSA, FS, 
a funds to buy something so freaking awesome. Uh, our sponsors and their promo codes can be found in the show notes under this episode at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com or wherever you're listening from. At badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you'll find all of our other episodes and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. So what do you got? All right. So the the agency that controls all the exam stuff and everything is called, well, we call it IBLCE. I-B-L-C-E. So that stands for the International Board of Lactation Consultant Examiners. And they're the ones that put out the rules of, you know, what you need to do to become a lactation consultant. Um, all the information you really need is on this website. It might take a little bit of like digging and, you know, searching around to find the answers that you need, but it is all here. The other thing that goes, that happens with IBLC is um, they tend to change the rules here and there. So kind of keeping up with, you know, keeping on top of it and checking the website, you know, making sure that you're still on track is pretty important. Um, the other thing to remember with IBCLC is that it's an international certification. It is not a, um, what you call it? It's not a license, you know, like you're not being licensed in this or anything that like nurses who, you know, have a license. This is, this is a certification and it's international, which means that you need to know kind of what's going on in lactation all over the world. This isn't just like, okay, you know, I live in New York, so I need to be up to date on what happens here. I mean, that's important to know what's going on in your own area, but it's also important to know what's going on around the world. So that is um, something to kind of keep in mind, too. So for the sciences, the eight, the following eight subjects must be taken from an accredited institution of higher learning, biology, human anatomy, human physiology, infant growth and development, introduction to clinical research, nutrition, psychology or counseling skills or communication skills, sociology or cultural sensitivity or cultural anthropology. And then the other remaining six subjects are basic life support, medical documentation, medical terminology, occupational safety and security for health professionals, professional ethics for health professionals, universal safety precautions and infection control. So um, those are the things that you need. Those are the sciences that you need to have. And then, like I said, you couple that with uh, lact- the 95 hours of lactation education, including the communication, and then all your education pieces done. You can do that like together or separate. Or if you're like, oh, I have a couple of these courses to do. Can I? It doesn't matter what you finish first, but everything has to be complete before you apply to take this exam. So it can't be like, oh, yeah, I've got one more class, but I'll apply for the exam and I'll do it, you know, before the before I actually sit for the exam, because the application to to sit for the exam is months out. So, like, for example, the exam for 2023, there's two. They have two a year, one in the spring, one in the fall. The one for the spring is in March. The application process is going on right now. So and that ends I think December 5th or something like that. So people that are planning to take it in March are already applying. So all of their stuff is done. Everything that they've had to do is done. It can't be like, okay, I'll finish it like before the exam. No, you have to have it finished before you actually apply. So 
then you have pathways. So the pathways, there are three specific pathways that you need to follow. And you get to pick which pathway depending on what your background is in. If you're a nurse, you can go with, or like you work in in the field or you're a volunteer, you're a La Leche League, maybe you work for the WIC department, you know, and you're doing breastfeeding counselor stuff. Um, Any of those types of things. And I just threw a couple out. There's many, many. Um, You can follow pathway one, which means that you are already working in the field. And you just have to have like, you know, kind of like supervision, make sure that there is somebody that, you know, kind of knows what you're doing and can, you know, give you supervision if and when needed. Um, And you need to have a thousand clinical hours for that. Pathway two is going through like a college program. Because there are programs now at universities that are strictly for lactation. And when you're in that program, that gives you whatever you need. So that is pathway two. Pathway three is for people that are not working already in the field. So pathway three would be like um, somebody whose job has nothing to do with lactation at all. At all. Um, it could even be a nurse that doesn't work in maternity, because if you're a nurse that works in labor and delivery or maternity, you're getting your hours there. You're getting those clinical hours because you're working with parents all the time. But if you're a nurse that works in like cardiac, you're not getting those hours. So you would need to do pathway three so that you could get mentorship. And that's what pathway three is. Pathway three is mentorship. And in pathway three, you have to do 500 hours with a mentor so that you feel confident going out and helping parents in their breastfeeding journey. And that is really important. Those mentorship hours are really important. And there's lots of different ways you can do mentorship. And there's, um, it is kind of recommended that you do mentorship with different people or in different, um, different places so that you can see different things. It is a challenge. Like that is one of the biggest challenges is finding that mentorship because I mean, with COVID especially, sometimes you can't get into places. Um, some people might not be taking mentors. So that is, that's a little bit harder. The upside of it is that when COVID hit, um, Ibilisi put out a regulation that you could actually just do mentorship hours virtually. So that is going to be admissible for probably another year. Um and that's, you know, something to consider because a lot of times people are like, I don't, I can't find a mentor in my area. Well, maybe find a mentor that's not in your area and do some, some virtual stuff. Um, but the mentorship part is really important. And actually, like, I would even suggest to people who are on pathway one that maybe they're like, well, I work in labor and delivery. I, I you know, this is where I'm getting all my hours, but you're not seeing anything really. You know what I mean? You're not really, and I worked in the hospital setting. I know you're not seeing a lot of problems in the, you're seeing baby on day one. Right. Um, so it might be not might be, it definitely would be beneficial to do some hours somewhere else where you are really maybe with a, you know, a private practice IBCLC who is really doing a lot of hands-on work with babies who are struggling, um, and parents that are struggling. 
So that is kind of like the bottom line of it. A lot of people, and then of course, you know, you have to have that done before you sit for the exam too. Um, and then you take this exam, which is hard. Like it's, it's no joke, this exam. Um, it's like 175 questions. A good chunk of it is pictures. So you have to like identify certain pictures and certain things that are in the pictures. Um, they can be pretty overwhelming, but you get like four hours to do this exam. And it's, I mean, it was definitely, um, definitely challenging. But if you do all the education and you do all the mentorship hours, you're going to be prepared. So don't be nervous, you know, like don't be nervous about it. You're going to be prepared if you do all the things. Um, there's so much stuff out there to help you prepare. There's amazing books. There is programs. Like there's a lot of stuff. And honestly, like we need IBCLCs. We need them bad. So becoming one is, it looks very daunting, but you can do it for sure. You can do it. Um, the other thing that kind of will offset people is if they are, they're worried about getting a job. Like that's one of the other yeah. things. Um, people are very worried about like, am I going to be able to make a living, especially if you're coming out of a different career and you're like, I don't, you know, I, I need to, I need to make some money, which yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, people say, you know, I'm not a nurse. Can I get a job at a hospital? Check in your area and find out like where I live. We used to be able to work in hospitals as non non-RN IBCLCs because I worked in a hospital and I am not an RN. But then they decided that they didn't want to do that anymore and everybody had to be an RN. So that's when I stopped working at the hospital. Um, but there are some places that will absolutely accept somebody who's not an RN. Um, you also have a lot of virtual um a lot of virtual options now where people are doing telemed for lactation. So that is, it's different for sure. And I've done that before too. I do a lot of virtual stuff. It's different, but it is helping people that don't have an IBCLC in their area. So it is needed for sure. Um, doctor's offices, like they're not going to care if you're an RN or not. If you work in a pediatric office, um, you're there for a different thing. You're, you're not there to be a nurse. You're there to be an IBCLC. So that probably is. And I worked in that setting too. I worked in a pediatric office. Like there is definitely places for you. And then private practice too. Some people are like, oh, how do I get into private practice? Well, I mean, you just do it. You just, <laughs> I mean, you just really like, you just kind of, you start the marketing, you start, you know, networking, you start putting yourself out there and get a good reputation. And there you go. Um, WIC has you know, has things, um, they have peer counselors, you know, there's a tons of different places, different programs, pregnancy programs, like there's so many areas that IBCLCs are needed. So it's not just a hospital setting. It's not. And honestly, like I would never go back to a hospital setting. I find that to be very difficult place to work as far as, um, you know, what, what is, you know, the experience you're getting and, the protocols and all of that stuff. I find but definitely that needed. That's the place where like oh, yeah. you need the advocacy the most. I mean, that's why I have a friend who's a doula and I was talking to her one day about like home births and she was like, we don't really do home births. Like that's not where people need like the advocacy, you know, it's in the hospital where 
people's needs aren't being met. Absolutely. But anyway, yeah, it's so yeah. It, it's different than social work because social work, people are banging on like there's always nobody wants to do those jobs. So like there's yeah. always the place where you can always go do a job <laughs> that nobody wants to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but this is like this is really important. And I personally like when I did this, I did not like I said, I was not an RN. I did not have I mean, I had some education behind me, but not. Um, I didn't have a college degree. And at the time, I mean, now I do, but I didn't then. And um, that back then, clinical hours were super high. So if if you went in, like me, somebody who didn't have a college degree and who wasn't a nurse, I had to do 6,000 clinical hours. Oh, my God. This has changed immensely. Because it was people weren't doing it. That's like people are like, yeah. I'm not doing that. No way. Like, it took me years yeah. to do it. I was working with WIC and it took me years to do it. But I did it and it, 6,000 clinical hours. But you know what? Like I felt pretty confident working with families after that. Oh, yeah. Like, you would. Right. <laughs> you know, because like that was a lot. And now people are like, oh, yeah, 500. People are like, oh, my God, how am I going to get 500 clinical hours? It's like, and in my head, I'm like, that's. That's Stop whining. I know. <laughs> Just do it already. No. It is I feel like that's not even that much to really get your feet wet in the you know here in yeah. here cuz you really want to be able to and there were still times where I went into places and I was like I hope I can help this this family. Yeah. You know because what if I couldn't? What if I didn't know? But it really did make me more of a confident person and I'm very strong in clinical skills. I really feel that I am very, very strong in clinical skills. And that is why, because I had to do so much of that before right. I could even sit for the exam. So it was, it was a lot. And now they're like, you know, okay, do this many, um, do 500. If you're with a mentorship, do a thousand, if you're already kind of like working somewhere in the field. So it is definitely different, but you want to be able to see a lot of different things and get a lot of different education and really stay up on it because lactation education research changes all the time. And you, I mean, it just staying up on it will really help your practice a lot. It'll help you really, you know, kind of know what you're doing and be confident when you're, you know, giving people information. Um, it is yeah. not cheap to become an IBCLC. Oh yeah. You know, it is not cheap. And like the education programs are expensive, um, but necessary to sit for the, to actually apply for the exam is several hundred dollars. So it is not a cheap process. Um, but I mean, nothing is. No. You know, like nothing you choose to do is going to be, is going to be. But don't worry because once you're a lactation consultant, you'll be making tons of money and you'll make it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. But you do, I mean this and this is a field where the majority of the time what I have seen is people say and like I said I'm, you know, I'm working in a educational program right now and I get emails from people that have, you know, signed up and they're starting the process and they're like I I wanted to go this route because I really struggled with my own kid. And you hear that all the time, you know. Yeah, exactly. These are empathetic people that want to help new parents. Like that is what we need in the world. I have definitely come across some IBCLCs who I would never in my life send anyone to because they're yeah. not nice 
Yeah. And it's like, I don't know how you're working with families when you can't get past yourself. But these, for the majority of it, these are very empathetic people. And like, we're, it's a helping profession. You know, like you're not, you know, you're not going to make a ton of money. Um, but I do know people that do pretty well. So not me, of course, but, um, <laughs> you know, other people that do pretty well. So it really just, it's, it's worth it. And I hope that answered some questions for people. Um, we can, t- and we didn't talk about like the, the CLCs and stuff like that. I was going to say, there are other things. There's CLCs and CLEs and peer counselors and doulas, you know, that do support people. um, And there are that those all require less. Still, you have education and certification, but less. Yeah, definitely less. And the, the key with those is to know when to pass when to refer to a lactation consultant, when to pass that family on to somebody else. Um, Because you might come into a situation where somebody comes to you and you're, you know, you're a CLC or a CLE, you know, lactation educator or like breastfeeding counselor or something like that. And you have a situation where you're not quite sure what's going on. Do not feel, do not feel bad about referring that person. You know, be like, I, I think you need to see an IBCLC at this point because that is, that's what you need to do. You cannot be outside your scope of practice. But then that is beneficial for you because you could even say, hey, can I can I watch what you're doing? Can I sit in on this? Yeah. It's my patient. Can I sit in on this and see how you solve the problem? And there's, you know, more education for you. Yeah. And you'll have, you'll have like, you'll know, like you'll get to know your IBCLCs that you refer to. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. This great uh, IBCLC that I can refer you to and, you know, and you'll learn yeah. from too. Absolutely. Okay. So go out and become a lactation support person, whether it's an IBCLC or something else, because yeah, you know, you all need it. You needed it. And somebody else will too. There is, I mean, so much has changed since I became one. Like we weren't doing, you know, video consults and stuff like that when I became an uh, IBCLC. And I, there's not, I mean, I, I don't know the exact number of IBCLCs out in the world, but definitely not enough for the amount of babies that are being born. Oh, yeah. So get out there and do it. There's always plenty of work. Thank you. Bye. Bye.